is Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and give, and to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, we began this series that we're calling Devoted a few weeks ago by looking at these verses that we find in the second chapter of the book of Acts. This follows Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and then what we call the day of Pentecost. And really since Easter, we have been focusing in on these events. And from Christmas, we begin, we talk about the, the life of Jesus. We talk about his birth, and then we talk about his teaching. We get into Easter, we talk about his death and his resurrection. And then on Pentecost, we have this experience that takes place among the early followers of Jesus, those who had experienced his teaching, those who sat under his teaching, those who spent time in life with him, those who were commissioned by him to go and spread the good news. And those people, as they sat together, had this experience of the Holy Spirit coming into that space, empowering them to go and do the work that he had commissioned them to do. And then in that moment, people who were surrounding those people, uh, people in the room, people outside, people who were scattered throughout the city, who heard the buzz and what was taking place in that place, they came together. And in that moment, they heard a message of the good news of Jesus. And thousands in that moment gave their lives to follow Jesus, to be a part of this new community that was forming. And then we come to these verses. And this is so cool what happens here. Because in these verses, in all of that excitement, I mean, just imagine that moment. Just imagine sitting there and experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit filling that place. Thousands of people coming to follow Jesus. And then in that moment, it's like Luke just pauses. He steps back. He takes a moment to look around and realize what's happening around him. I, I was thinking about this and, and, and processing this, that sometimes we miss those moments because we're just going through them. You know, whether it's the excitement of, of our kids growing up or whether it's the excitement of a, of, a, of a team that we like going on a run of championships or something or whether it's just the way that life is going. Sometimes when we're in the moment where things are so good, we tend to miss them. And then we look back and we have to remind ourselves of them. Well, here, Luke takes the opposite approach. He pauses right amid those moments to say, hey, this is the good days. I don't want to forget what's happening around me. I don't want to forget this beautiful picture that's taking place. I don't want to forget these moments. And as he writes them down, what he's doing is he's telling the early church, don't forget these moments. And he's telling us, don't forget these moments. Don't forget this picture of the church. And then as he does that, he gives us these four markers, these four distinctive realities of this new church community. And we read that in the first verse, uh, first uh, verse here, the Acts two forty two. They 
devoted themselves, which is where we get this this series titled Devoted. They devoted themselves. They put all their focus, all their energy to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And over the last few weeks, and I encourage you to go back and, and listen, uh, see what we posted about these, we talked about the apostles' teaching. We talked last week about what it means to be devoted to fellowship. And here we come to the moment, to the breaking of bread. In the original Greek, the language of the text was written, and the phrase breaking of bread is classe to our two, which you can see right here. And I put that there to be honest because that phrase, while fairly simple in translation, the breaking of bread, isn't the easiest in interpretation. As simple as it is, is to translate those Greek words, they're a pretty direct translation, they're very hard to interpret. And the reason for this is because we're talking about the early church, the newly birthed church, the church that didn't yet have history and rituals surrounding their practices like we have today. And this is why it's so hard for us to translate this verse. Because 2,000 years later, when we look at the church, when we think about church, just when we say that word, see, when you say a word, there's all these images that come to mind, right? And when I say church, there are pictures, there are these, these things that you begin to see in your mind and imagine. And the same thing is true here when I say the breaking of bread. And when I say that in the context of church, there's some specific things that come to mind, particulars that I want to explore today. And as we do that, I want to talk about how those practices, those pictures that we have, those things that we imagine in our minds when we say the breaking of bread in a church context, how those practices line up with what the text is pointing to here. But I also want us to see something that when we read this and we read it in the context of what was happening in that time and space in the early church, what additional meaning the breaking of bread had for them and then I want to talk about why the breaking of bread in that context needs to be something that we take out from there and bring alive into our church community, into our family today. If we simply leave it as breaking of bread in a church context of things that we typically think of, we are missing a significant meaning and understanding and a significant practice that our church needs to have in this next season of our life if we want to be the church that God desires us to be. So what do we normally think of? Well, when I think of the breaking of bread in a church context, my mind typically goes to communion, to the Lord's Supper, uh, what we may call the Eucharist. We think about this moment in the breaking of bread in a church context as a pastor coming to the table as I have done hundreds of times in the life of Southeast, welcomed us to the Lord's table to come and take bread and juice, whether in little small cups, whether as we have dipped the bread in the past, which I'm not sure we'll do again, but that we used to do, whether in all these different ways that we do these things that we call communion, it's a typical thing that we think of, the bread and the cup, the breaking of bread. And as we do that, we think about the sacrifice by Jesus on the cross. 
And typically as we do those things, as we break bread in the church context like that, we read certain passages that come to mind that remind us of those moments. And then we come to that table and we take communion in that time of worship. Now we read in Luke how Jesus instituted this ritualistic moment of remembrance on his final days with his disciples. In Luke 22, it says this. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house. The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in this story, we see the breaking of bread. And we see in this moment that Jesus gave all this new meaning to this bread and to this cup. And from this point forward, as his followers gathered, they would take this bread, this cup, they would break, they would eat, they would pour, they would drink, and they would reflect on the incredible meaning of Jesus' death. And I can't emphasize how important this is for the church. A central part of the experience of gathering together. As we come to that table, we are reminded that this is not about us that this is about his love and his grace and his mercy. And we are reminded in that moment that it is his table, that he welcomes us to his table and he is the host at that table. And whomever he calls are welcome to his table. And so we do that. When we gather as we will next week, we will have a time where we take these elements we will take the bread, we will take the cup, and we will reflect on them during our time of worship together. And that's good to do. It's important to do. We believe that it is an ordinance or a command from Jesus to do that together. We see that this was something that the early church did because we see the Apostle Paul write about this in Corinth. And we're going to come back to these verses in a couple weeks. But listen what he says here in 1 Corinthians to the, in a letter written to the church at Corinth about the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he 
comes. And so the early church devoted themselves to the ritual of this remembrance. And we know that because it gets passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation as a time of worship or instituted within our time of worship, of gathering. And then that time of worship began to be centered around a particular time on Sunday mornings where we gathered together and we would end our services or, or have within our services at times the, the, the elements together as we took this particular moment. And that becomes, uh, and, and this is a good way, I don't mean this in a bad way, that becomes a ritual that we partake in. And those things are important. Those things matter in the life of church. And we see that in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to what? These are the things they devoted. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. It says later on, to prayer. And it says, to the breaking of bread. But this is where I want us to pause. I want us to look closer at this phrase, breaking of bread, because it is so easy for us 2,000 years later to miss some of the meaning, to just think about what has developed over the last 2,000 years and think of that as normative when it comes to the breaking of bread. But there is so much underneath. There is so much if we take that phrase and we begin to turn it and we begin to see all that is taking place within that, all this meaning that is inside of those phrases. And that meaning was already present there. So when Jesus picked up the bread, when Jesus picked up the cup, and he fulfilled their meaning in that moment, it, right in that space, there was already a bunch of meaning to these elements. The bread and the cup through Jesus were given a fulfilled sense of meaning. But the old meaning didn't go away. And I think this is critical for us. Because it opens up to us a reflection that is so significant for us as we think of the birth of the early church in Acts, and as we think of our own church today. As we look back at the early church and we see their birth and we think about our rebirth, let's not look at these passages just in the way that they have developed over these years, but look back and see the meaning that they had to see as we experience our own rebirth as a church community, what are those things that took place in those moments that we can make a center of who we are today? As we do that, let's go back to Luke 22, and we will see this additional meaning open up for us. Jill's going to put this on the screen. I want you to leave it for there just for a few minutes or a few seconds, Jill. In Luke 22:14, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his disciple or his apostles reclined at the table. Now, if you read this quickly and you look at it, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. You could just sort of move right past there, but there's a word in there that should stop us. It should be a word that we catch. It should be a word that we go, wait a minute, that, that word seems strange. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined. They reclined at the table. That word tells us something. 
When I sit down, I, I went to visit my parents the other day, and I sat down on the couch, and, and I, I, I knew I was in a hurry. I needed to, to talk to them about something. I needed to see them for a few moments, but I sat at the couch. And you know when you sit, and, and you're not really reclining, you're just sort of sitting, you're going to have a conversation, and you're going to go. But they have their recliners, and they sit down in their recliners. They're, you know, sat back, and when maybe maybe I'll put my feet up, I'll lay on the couch, and then I know I'm going to stay there for a while. I'm going to sit. I'm going to be in this moment, and that's what was taking place here. The moment was not a rushed moment for Jesus and his disciples. Let me say that again, so we hear that. The moment of breaking the bread was not a rushed moment. In fact, they were at a table. They were at a table for a meal like we would when we sit down with friends, family, or guests in our home. When we sit with friends or family or guests, when we recline and sit and, and experience the presence of each other with that food, we don't just throw the food on the counter and rush to our own stuff to the next thing we have to do. We, we might do that throughout the week. We might be in a hurry to do all the things we're going to do. And especially as we're fortunately busy again, all of us are kind of going, okay, I don't really have time to sit down and eat, so I'm just going to hurry through this. So we just kind of grab something and we just kind of go. Sometimes in our house, we call it grazing. We just say, we're just going to grab something that's available. We're going to find it. We're just going to be on our way. But not here, not in this moment. In this moment, they paused to make space to be together. Now, the text tells us that they reclined, which in their culture was how a meal, like a real meal, took place. Now, when most people think about Jesus and the disciples sharing that last supper, sharing that meal together, this is the picture we normally think of. This is the picture that typically comes to mind for us. And there are all sorts of things we could talk about with this picture and why this is more culturally representative of the time that this painting was made uh, than the actual meal. But what I want us to see is that this is typically what comes to mind. We think about sitting at a table. But the Last Supper, the meal with Jesus' disciples, probably looked more like this second picture. Now that seems a little strange to us. That, that, that is not a picture that we're used to. That is not how we typically think of being at a meal. But this is what a meal in the first century looked more like. It looked like reclining. It looked like laying back. It looked very casual, very comfortable. Uh, maybe a little too close for comfort for some of us, but, it, but there was just this sense of reclining and being in the same space together. Now, with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about this meal. The, meaning, the, the meal for Jesus and his disciples was the Passover meal. And we've spent time looking at the Passover meal during the weeks of Easter leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. I wrote this in my notes for us as a reminder. Passover was the reminder of the Jewish people's rescue from slavery. And now through Jesus came a new rescue. We see that in that meal. We see that in that, move, in that moment. But at the center of that is that God is the provider of rescue hope, and sustenance. So, so hear that. In that meal that Jesus took with his disciples was this expectation of rescue. There was within it this sense of sacrifice that took place. There was in this meal this sense of hope. But also within this meal is this idea 
of sustenance, that God is provider. So when Jesus took the bread and broke it, he was celebrating Passover, giving new meaning to it, and taking part in a tradition of recognizing God's provision in our lives. See, there's more than one meaning taking place. Sometimes what we tend to do, we look at scripture, we look at theology, we take things and we think there's only one meaning. And it's very Western in our minds to do this. We think it's either black or white. It's this thing or that thing. And the reality is there's a whole lot more gray. There's a whole lot more color that takes place within scripture. There's a whole lot more meaning that takes place. And things aren't as easy and simple as sometimes they seem. And that's honestly the best part about faith. It's recognizing the process. It's recognizing the depth. It's recognizing that we're always exploring and and discovering new answers and things. There's a humbleness about that that we need to have in everything. But here we see that, that Jesus is celebrating Passover. So we have to discover what does Passover mean? And then we see it, we see that Jesus gave new meaning to it, so we need to talk about that meaning and what that means for us. But we also need to see that Jesus was taking part in a tradition that goes beyond those two things of God's provision in our lives, his sustenance for us. Now, we find this in a place where we find the the words, the breaking of bread. It's again with the Apostle Paul who wrote to the church at Corinth. His story is found later on in the book of Acts. He was stranded on a ship. And at that moment, with these people that he was stranded with, they had spent uh, several days without any kind of food. And in that moment, he stopped them. And he took bread, he broke it, and he reminded those with him of God's provision in their lives. And he tapped into this deep tradition of understanding the breaking of bread in that way. In Acts 27, 30-35, it says, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat For the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Then listen to this. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. So this moment that was really just felt like some suspense. It it, it felt like a time of concern and worry. You used to read that story thinking about for 14 days that they were so scared and so concerned and so stressed out that they didn't have anything to eat. In that moment, Paul takes this bread and he breaks it. And as you read that, listen, he said he took some bread, he gave thanks, then he broke it, he began to eat. And as you read those words, it's almost like the way Luke writes this, you experience their dread, you experience the suspense, you experience their concern, and then you feel this sense of calm. You feel this sense of peace. And you feel that in that moment, as Paul did this, that there was a pause and it became a moment of worship. And that's what I want to get at today. That's what I want us to see. This tradition of breaking bread in this way, it wasn't new to Paul. 
The tradition of breaking bread in this way wasn't new to Jesus. This was within their tradition. The Jewish people, when the head of the household broke the bread, they thanked God for it. And it represented the way that he provided for all of those that are in that room and in that space and in that moment. Standing up, taking the bread, giving thanks, breaking it, and handing it to each person. Not in a rush, in a pause, in a moment, as a part of a meal. As I thought about this, I thought about what does this look like for so many of us. And I think when we hear the phrase breaking of bread, we need to come back to some of this meaning. We need to think of a picture in our minds that we'll have when we hear it. That we will think of the communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the, the thing that we do together as we gather for worship in those moments, taking the bread and taking the cup and recognizing and remembering Jesus' death in that moment. But when we also hear the breaking of bread, I want us to hear all of this meaning, and I want us to see all of this meaning in our minds. So one way I thought about this is that we need to think of the breaking of bread more like the carving of a turkey on Thanksgiving. It's this moment to pause and to reflect on the deeper meaning present that God is our provider and is with us. So we hear this phrase, and as I reflected on this week, I, I saw this going on in this text as I began to explore this and, and pull this and see this in different ways. And as I read it, I said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and now I can imagine and hear that as we've talked about it. As I think about that they devoted themselves to fellowship, as we talked about last week, there are certain images from that sermon that will always come to mind now. When I think about prayers, we'll talk about it in a week. There will be certain images that will come to mind. But as we come here to this moment, as we say they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, I want us to see these new images that come to mind. Yes, I want us to imagine those times of worship that we come together, those special moments as we gather at the Lord's table together as a community as we take the juice, as we take the bread in those moments of worship. But I also want us to imagine these moments. I want us to see this picture. Imagine as someone stands and breaks this bread. And I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds weird. But, I, but that carving of a turkey that's so normal for all of us, giving thanks for all that God has done for us. I want us to imagine the feel, the smell, the sense of family, the sense of community, the sense of togetherness, the sense of thankfulness, the sense of provision and sustenance that we experience on that day. See, the early church wasn't rushing through these moments. They didn't simply grab the bread and the juice in bite-sized portions. And again, let me be careful in saying, I don't think what we call communion, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, that we're doing it wrong or that it's a bad thing. We are doing what the church has done for thousands of years and we should continue to do that. I think it's significant we gather together for worship and we're going to do that together. And when we do that next week or whenever we gather, we will use those bite-sized elements. Churches all around the world will do the same thing and it's a beautiful thing to do. I think that is part of what was happening as the early church gathered and broke bread together. 
they were devoted to remembering and reflecting on the death of Jesus. And we must do that. Theologian and scholar N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, they're failing to raise the flag which says Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything. Joe, leave it up again. Where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, they are failing to raise the flag which says Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything. So as we gather, as we come together on first Sunday, which this week or this month is second Sunday, as we gather though at that moment, we take communion together because we're sharing regularly in this aspect of the breaking of bread. So sometimes we will do that literally and figuratively in bite-sized portions. But a fuller, more robust understanding is right here for us to participate in. And I don't want us to miss this. So while we emphasize the breaking of bread in our time of worship, let's not neglect this deeper understanding. But let's reclaim being a church known for gathering around tables. Let's be known as being a church who faced each other. Let's be known as a community who had conversations with each other. Because in those moments, we worship God as provider and sustainer, individually and as a family of God. And we've experienced this so many times in our community and, and, and who we are as a church. We've sat at tables together at picnics. We've sat at tables together in pitch-in dinners. But those moments are so far and few between that we need to say we're going to do this regularly. This is a part of who we are because this is central. As we look at this season, as we look at the things that we are doing, we have been fortunately, been fortunately busy this summer, and it's been hard to get our rhythm down. But as we look at this season, as we look what we're doing, I want us to imagine what does it look like to come together one week, to have the breaking of bread together, to take communion, to take the Lord's Supper together, to be reminded of that moment of worship, and then to come together the following week and have this deeper understanding of the breaking of bread, to sit, to recline, to just be together. That was one of the most beautiful moments that I experienced this summer as we came together for a picnic. And if you were there, we sat together. Our kids were playing kickball together. And I know it sounds so strange. Maybe it sounds weird to say, but guys, I, I stopped in that moment and I asked God to show me that this is a holy moment taking place. That as we break bread together in that way, that we are in worship that we are gathering as the family of God. So here's what I want to tell you. We have to be different in this next season as a church. The world has changed. People have changed. And the way we share the good news and the way we live out the good news changes. And that is a good thing. There are aspects, as we talked about, things that never go away. 
things that the church has done for hundreds of years, over 2,000 years of gathering together, breaking bread, worship, those things matter. But let us also see that the church in different seasons have recognized the moment they are in. And they have looked around and they have said, how do we share the good news with these people? Thousands of people were gathered in Jerusalem. Thousands of people came to follow Jesus. And then what those people did, they didn't gather together in one giant room all the time. It says no. They came together. And they had fellowship together. They sat together at tables. What does it look like for us to do that? What does it look like for us as a church community to come together at tables, together at picnics, at tables, together at pitching dinners, at tables, together in each other's homes? Recognizing those times as moments of worship. So as we become devoted to the breaking of bread like the early church, we'll become known for being a family of God, known for our faith and for our love. What a beautiful picture, guys, of the church. What a beautiful reality we have in front of us. And what a beautiful example for us of what it means to live out the being the church. Because when they had this full meaning of the breaking of bread, of recognizing the moments of Jesus' death and his resurrection, of times of worship, And as when they looked at this meal as a time that they came together and experienced a sense of family and community, focusing on provision and sustenance of God, what that did in that moment was it captivated the people around them with something as simple as the breaking of bread. May we be a church that lives like that that has within who we are this incredible, incredible distinctive that people say that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. Let's pray together. God, as we come to these verses, as we recognize this moment, as we see what is taking place here, God, help us to see the kind of church that we can be. God, as we talked about last week, it's so easy just to wave, to fist bump, to handshake, to just see each other across a room. God, help us to be so much more. Help us to be a family that carries each other's burdens because we know each other, because we sit together, because we serve together, as we worship together, and we fellowship together, and as we break bread together. God, we love you and we thank you for this time that we have been given. May we be good stewards of the resources that you have given to us individually and as a family. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen.